friends! Welcome to episode 250 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? I'm trying not to cough right now, but like, it's it, I've got that like post-nasal drip that's just going into my chest. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, like, I'm on the verge of it right now, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to cough into the mic. Well, for, 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 <laughs> in, yeah, any, anybody out there, any, anybody out there, uh, 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 not knowing what we're going through here in Michigan, uh, the, uh, yesterday it was, like, what, mid-30s today, it hit 60? Yeah, yeah. It's um, supposed to be, it wasn't supposed to go in, uh, above the 50s today. Yeah, and, let's see And here. tomorrow's supposed to be warmer. Uh, yeah, so it was it was right around freezing, for those of you who use Celsius, and then 60, let's see here, uh, yeah, it hit 15 and a half today, so, yeah, that's yeah. where we're at. Yeah, it's, it's weird, it's weird right now. So it's wreaking havoc on both of our sinuses right yeah, now, I, so. There's not a single person who hasn't had, like, a mild cough that I know that has allergies. At, at any level. They're like, everybody's just like, I don't know what's going on. We're like, we're all doing the same thing, so clearly it's similar. Like, we got stuff happening, so. Uh, yeah, th- thanks, Knox. I will try and stop it <laughs> stop if I can. It. <laughs> That's uh, the funniest response to anybody sneezing. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> like, 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 you can. This involuntary response, you That's can. Why That's yeah. why it's funny. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, it's been a long, long work week. Like, oh my god! Oh yeah, for for both of us. Yeah, and that punctuated with uh, Sean and I got engaged. Yes, congratulations! Yeah. I didn't know if you were going to announce it or not. Oh yeah, no, I can't shut up about it. No, <laughs> no. I'm... Well, now it's recorded in posterity and will be it... published to the internet for everyone to hear. Exactly. So yeah, we've been we've been you know doing that that thing where we're like a fiance. Can you get me a glass of water, please? You know. Yeah. Just, just, just to say it. Cause it's... Why do I feel like I'm Janine Garofalo, where she's like, you know, drinking when she's she lets it just dribble out, like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like I don't care. Like I, I love you guys. I sincerely do. This is the sickliest, sweetest time I've seen both of you. So, oh yeah. Talking all about this. So it's no, it's good. It. Eat it up. Eat it up. It. I love it. Yeah. So. This is this is fantastic timing for you. And the other side of that is like we've had so many weird tragedies within friends and, and oh, people around us too. So it, the, the the good news is nice. I was saying to Sean too. He's like he's like God. This is going on and that's going on and then this happened. And I'm like it comes in threes. Three threes is the Dude, thing. So I we should terrified. be done now. I'm terrified. So we should be done now. So yeah. We're good. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah. It's been it's been a hell. Of, like we both need. We joke about this being therapy night, but holy cow, we do we need both it. need this? We tonight, so need man. this tonight to be therapy night. We had a good discussion about this. Yeah, we were. Yeah, I, thought so. <laughs> I will say this: we were as bad as we have ever been about getting this show ready, <laughs> like it, in like literally hours before. Yeah, before it happened. Like yeah. I will say, I did give this show a lot of thought a few weeks back, and kind of prepping up to this, like where my headspace was for where I wanted to go with it. Yeah, yeah. and then I didn't put anything down on the sheet. You started it, really. Like, after, I made, like, some minor notes, and then you just, like, I show up and you've got three pages of notes, but all of it in kind of the, uh, uh, the same direction that I was going in, so we, we had some really good 
straightforward on this. So I, I think we were good. Yeah, I, I think I think I do the same thing. Where like the, the the show sheet is just a collection of shower thoughts. Until, yeah. until it isn't. You know? Yeah, that's pretty much what it comes out to. So, uh, but yeah, no, I think we're both on the same page about this one. So today we are we are talking. Let's stop dancing around it. Yeah, uh, we are talking about evolving relationships. Now, kind of what we mean by uh, by this is that we're we're talking about like building relationships with NPCs. Um, and uh, maybe maybe that's a love hate relationship. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is a romance. Maybe that's the relationship between the heroes and the villain. Mm-hmm. You know, but... it could even just be like respect and loyalty. So like, yeah, if it's sure. a, so like maybe it's a commander mm-hmm. or 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 even a noble that you're having to work for that you don't necessarily like. But you have respect for what they're doing. Yeah, friendships, camaraderies, even yeah. working relationships. Yeah, but... I, I always come back to the, uh, the 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 sergeant, like, I'll have your badge, you know, if you weren't so good at what you do, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's really, honestly, the the biggest way that I can think of to make your NPCs feel like real people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know we've done whole episodes in the past about uh, making life like NPCs mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how, you know, you give them goals and know how they move when you push against them in certain ways and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, but really, it's when they hit the table and they interact with your PCs and they start reacting like real people. Yeah, they're, they're a... A portion of the story that is not the plot, but still evolves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that the players can have a direct interface with. I, I, I always hear players talking about what it means to be connected to another NPC, right? That that they had time and and like space to to evolve and and get to know each other and they have scenes and moments like it's it's not the main plot mm-hmm. like that's happening yeah it's their connection with somebody that made that plot feel real and connected yeah yeah exactly and honestly it's it's one of the best forms of world building you know it's very much so so much of your story of your culture of your of the, the 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 story you want to tell through the people mm-hmm. is c- can be done through your NPC relationships very much so and and it can help solidify the moment feeling more real I mm-hmm. mean we talk about like in our day to day lives like you know we might go on a vacation we might see a beautiful sight we might experience a wonderful meal but nine times out of ten it's hard to really connect with that unless you're with someone. Mm-hmm. And it's oftentimes we talk about those moments in connecting with the people there when it happens. Yeah, sure. I mean, you were just telling me about some concert you went to earlier mm-hmm. tonight, and you specifically remembered this girl that you met there. Yeah, you know, and and it it helped make it <laughs> a solid memory. So role playing is really no different than life as far as your brain is concerned, because you're still making all those connections. You're still going through all of the motions. And so that gives it a lasting impression. And honestly, storytellers, if you want your players to remember important factoids and things, these are ways to put them in their mind so that a month later, when they come back to the game, it's still there. Exactly. Exactly. So. It's it's one thing to have a quest giver tell you to do something. It's another to have a quest giver you really care about ask you to do something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it's amazing <clears throat> when your players interact with the NPCs that you have because they paid attention. Yep. Yep. You know. 
All right, so different types of relationships. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were going to throw the R word around a lot tonight, relationship, yes. Yes. but uh, we wish you to know that we are not just talking about romantic relationships. No. Like we said earlier, there's a lot of different types. There's, I mean, first off, uh, pr- prime to a lot of TTRPG settings mm-hmm. because a lot of adventuring groups, in no matter the genre, mm-hmm. have a transactional nature. Okay, yeah. so business relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, either a shopkeep to their favorite customer, a restaurant to their favorite uh, uh, regular, or, you know, a Johnson to to a reliable shadow runner. Exactly. Like, you're, like, the concept that you're going to these people on the regular to handle day-to-day things, it becomes kind of a second home mm-hmm. in the player's mind of what they're comfortable with. So, Making that home have a feeling attached to it, you know, not just a Johnson who hands them out missions, but someone who cares about them in some way or checks in on them or even so much as like that they turn around and do the same thing of like, hey, we want to get a better job. Didn't he? Wasn't he eating jelly beans the last time we saw him? Does anybody remember if they were all, I don't know, licorice or something? And so now your players are trying to butter up the Johnson. That's a connection that you cannot lose, you know. Right, right, right. So, oh, licorice flavored. The man likes the taste of anus. What can I say? That's anise. It's anise. A co- it's anise. It's a flavor. <laughs> it's a flavor. Uh, okay, so there are obviously family, uh, familial relationships. Yeah. Um, like your your mother daughter relationship, obviously father son, um, siblings, even extended relatives mm-hmm. of feeling just the the bond of uh you know grandmothers, granddaughters, aunts, uncles. You you still feel that common bond of of, of tribe. You pets know? even. I think pets even are pets. a great thing, especially when you're returning to someone. Not something that you have had throughout the entire mm-hmm. campaign or story, but just the idea of like you're coming home and as you're crossing the farm field, you see your family dog rushing at you. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That creates an emotional connection That's to that a moment. Tug on a heartstring right yeah. there, man. I yep, love yep. that. Um friendships mm-hmm. obviously um it's it's a it's a great model for for friendships even just amongst the pcs and mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. but um and you can have friendships in a lot of ways born of respect mm-hmm. um born of common interests uh common backgrounds mm-hmm. so maybe we both you know i find out we we're both from the same village or something like that yeah. like okay cool you know we've got a bond now even common trauma yeah you know we may not have anything in common other than we went through something together, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and here we are. So. Yeah, and these are often, uh, like, almost in media res in some cases where, like, an NPC shows up and the player, you know, the player might be going somewhere and they're like, hey, uh, I'd like to spend some some of my, you know, uh, relationship meta currency. I, someone here knows me. And now, as a storyteller, you're like, okay, well, obviously, if they know them, I'm going to have to have a little backstory. Okay, I'll come in with something. And now, they're stepping into a scene with an NPC the player has never met before, but the character has to be very familiar with. Mm-hmm. And that shows relationship. Yeah. And then, of course, there is romantic relationships. Yep. Uh uh, Knox actually dropped in here, teacher and disciple. I think we'd probably put that more more in like a business relationship, but I it would kind agree. of it kind of straddles between like business and family almost, or mm-hmm. business and friendship. Mm-hmm. I agree, um, I agree. But uh, uh, no, mentor, think, mentee, yeah, mentor, yeah. mentee, yeah, sort of thing. Um, and of course, with romantic relationships, you've got to remember that romantic and sexual attraction are different yes. things. Yeah. Okay. We'll come back around to this. So we, yeah, we'll we'll come back around to the whole romance angle. We got a whole thing about it a little it's bit. It's February. Later. We'll be back. <laughs> um 
But when we say romantic relationships, we are not just talking. In fact, we are very, at very little talking about the bard who wants to roll seduction on the on the barmaid. Oof, yeah, you know, yeah. So, all right, three ways. Let me get the tea started before you uh, enjoy your three ways of relationships. Uh, all right, so there are, I believe. We 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 we, we kind of we kind of thought about it. There's three main ways that I can think of to introduce um, relationships into uh, as a dynamic into your NPCs um, and into the story itself. Right. Uh, so the first one is an evolving relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like if, anybody who's been ta- running tabletop RPGs uh, uh, for for any length of time knows that uh, human beings will pack bond with anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you buy a Roomba, we give it a name. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe put googly eyes on it. Maybe I'm put not googly saying googly eyes on it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Might have named mine Dodogama because yeah. uh, it's dumb and it eats rocks. It does. Um, but. Uh, your NPCs are no different, right? You're going to throw an NPC out there. Your players are going to arbitrarily decide that they are the greatest thing since sliced bread, mm-hmm. and they are going to want to adopt them yeah. for whatever reason. Yep. Um, like uh, your, your Padre Inguis is probably one of my favorite examples of this. Yep. Uh, Rob was running a Seven Seas uh, campaign and threw in a bit character that was basically just supposed to be a, a sort of face for us for the Inquisition. For the opening of the Inquisition. Kind of, actually, like a preamble kind of telegraphing that they were on their way. Right, but he wasn't supposed to be much. No, right? no he was very, very, very small. He was the local <laughs> parishioner, basically. And every female character in that group went, Ah, Padre Inguiz, he's dreamy. Yeah, yeah, and seduced him and... And, and then and then we just, we couldn't let him go. Yeah. So he just kept popping back up all over the place. He's now been he's in been like in two campaigns Yeah, now. he's been in multiple stories because th- the name is known. Yeah. Yeah, the character exactly. is known. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes you're just going to have that, where your players latch onto a character or to an NPC, and they're going to want to build some sort of a relationship with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At that point, you know, it's worthwhile investing the time and energy to try to make that 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 relationship lifelike and evolve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the second one is what I call the fishing relationship. I'm not sure if that's the best name for it. I I think it fits because it is where like. You are baiting a hook and dropping it into your character pool. Yeah, because you 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 want them to to gra- latch onto it as a as a soon to be relationship. Right. You know, someone who's important to the story and could be involved in the plot, but you're not forcing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you may have like you know your your Count Strahd or or you know dictator person that obviously the group is associated with. But then this, I don't know, Seneschal from his group keeps popping up in the area. Maybe they're delivering notes. Maybe they're doing other things. But seems to have an interest in the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, followers are another great example of fishing relationships where you, you poke them into the party, you know, because they're interested in becoming an adventurer themselves. So that the players either have to consider them an annoyance that they know are going to be around or kind of accept them. You know? yeah, yeah, but either way, it's you instigating it into the story, yeah. dropping that line, if you will. Mo- mostly, my I use fishing relationships because I know I, there <laughs> there is one player in particular that is common to a lot of our uh, to a lot of our groups that uh, uh, just absolutely loves adopting an NPC. Yeah, feed him. Why not? Uh, so I I drop an NPC in there and just be like, this one would be perfect for you. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like feeding and caring of your players. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's that one that exactly. you got to throw in there. So. You know, so, sometimes they they also have uh, uh, other great places. Is like they've wrote they've written something in their background. You know. Mm-hmm. That requires, um, you know, like an old an old war comrade, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Just, just so you can tie their plot into to the wider world or something like mm-hmm, that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it fills the void of certain things. Now, I don't. I I think this is where we step just one step beyond that into mechanical relationships, ones that the game actually supports directly. Right. Um, right. In some games, they're considered circles or backgrounds. Uh, sometimes, like in 7C, like literally it is like you have a nemesis or you're star-crossed, where NPCs... Or, or both, if you're or both, um, Where an NPC is integral to your story mm-hmm. and is part of it. Uh, another one is like the life path system of Traveler, which may dictate that you do have a history. So, like, maybe you were in the military and you left because of your commander. Well, that commander's name is going to have meaning. Right, right. Right. They're going to be an NPC that's part of it. And that returning to those things often through the game, depending on the mechanics that are involved, may give you a benefit pulling that card back out or involving that person. Whether you forcefully put them in as a dramatic space, uh, like in the case of 7C, or... Uh, you ask for it to be brought into the scene as a challenge. Right, right. I like lots of White Wolf games have like mm-hmm. contacts and allies as mm-hmm. as backgrounds you can take and stuff of like that. So it's like yep. for every dot in contacts, you have an important person that you can. It's like okay, well, I took three points. I'm gonna invent three NPCs. You yeah, know? yeah. So do 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 the work of the DM for just a little bit, you know. <laughs> right. But either way, it's it's physically or mechanically part of the game. Be it something that uh, that gives you XP or gives you meta currency or involves mechanics of the game directly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. All right. So now we've got our NPCs, and we kind of know the different ways that relationships start, either because you you cause them to happen because the game asks for them, or because you're players decided to take one home yeah, spend and, some money, and yeah. name him. Yeah. Oh, that too, yeah. Um, but uh, how do we kind of get started with establishing, like, how do we, how, where's, where's our starting point for an evolving relationship? Well, I mean, there's a baseline entry point, because um, mm-hmm. relationships can't really evolve if you don't know where they begin. Like, did it start on a business handshake and now you guys play nine holes of golf every Saturday. Right, right. You know, um, because even even as much as we love our mysterious characters and their mystique, you, you need to have something pinned down to the PCs that they're connected with. That they they understand a truth yeah. about it. Yeah. Whether Whether that person starts out in one frame and ends in another through the evolution of them... The players need to know where they sit with them. I loved that Seven C with its NPC in the, in NPCs in its books literally put in there whether they were a hill hero, a villain, or kind of a miscreant. Right, like right, you right. knew in the book, and it was very clear that players should understand that that's what these people are. Yeah, you were you were when we were discussing this earlier. You were actually using uh, Vampa, Louis Vampa from mm-hmm. the uh, from the, the 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 Count of Monte Cristo as oh. a uh, as a great example character, and you were talking about how. Um, there's several scenes throughout there that shows uh, Montez's uh, is Montez right? Uh, Dantes Dantes Dantes's relationship with uh, with Vampa, um, 
as he kind of uses as, as, as a resource. But right. what it all comes down to, though, is that you've got this initial scene. Mm-hmm. After the two of them meet and says, okay, well, he's Vampa's a pirate, mm-hmm. and Dantes is a, ca- a an escaped convict. Yeah. Is an escaped convict that he picked up after he escaped from uh, uh, Chateau d'If, the, yes. uh, the the prison, watery prison, yeah. Um, and uh, but there's there's a moment as he's he's gone back to I believe Paris, and uh, they're in, they're in port, yeah. and Dantes is going to step off of the the ship, and Vampa turns to him and basically is like, "Dude, have you ever been here before?" And he's like, "Oh no, I'm. We got history here. Yeah. Trust me." And he's like, "Well." You go chase down that history, and you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna resolve all that without without stepping off the boat. So, good luck, my friend. And if you ever need me, I'm here for you. You only you only need to ask. And he shakes his hand. Yeah. And at that moment, you've you've established the baseline, right? Yeah. Where do you kind of know he's a pirate? But that says to us a lot of things about how he might be mistrustful. He might lie. He might have needs. Like... He might have needs. Yeah. He might take advantage of Dantes in his in his hour of need. But in this moment, in this one scene, this one exchange, we've got the baseline established for Vampa to be mm. his friend and a man of honor. Yeah. He may be a pirate, but he is a man of honor to his own. Yeah. He 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 trusts him. Yes. They trust each other. And that ties the rest of the scenes that almost would seem questionable. Yeah, like, what they're give, doing. give us some examples. What are, um, what are the little happens in this? Scene there's right a here? there's a, a specific scene where he comes back into play, where basically uh, a, another young man who uh, uh, is important to the story uh, is getting attacked and mm-hmm. is actually like taken prisoner almost, uh, and then uh, the count shows up to help rescue him, um, and at, as they're escaping, basically he stops, turns. And he tells the pirates, well done, and throws coin, and it's Vampa who catches it and steps into the light for a moment with kind of a devilish grin. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, without that previous scene of of him establishing that they are friends and trusted, mm-hmm. that you realize that he's bringing him back in to set a ball in motion. Yeah. And he's he, using somebody. You, it's it's implied through the storytelling that he has asked Vampa to send some men to rough up the boy. Yeah. That he can heroically swoop in and fight right. off. Right. He'll punch him a couple times, and then he'll tell him to get lost, and right. they'll, they'll get out of there. And he throws him a sack of gold for it. Yeah. You know? And him and his men will go enjoy the evening. Exactly. But, <laughs> but it culminates. Easy day, and he looks like a hero. It culminates later to a scene where uh, basically the Count's ship is being raided, mm-hmm. you know, because he kind of let it on that he was leaving and his gold would be on the ship. And you see this this other gentleman basically ordering men around to, to take the things. And he says, hey, uh, leave all but two. Those are ours and puts them on a cart. And as they finish loading them on the cart. A man basically throws a tarp over them, and as a camera pans up, it's Vampa, and you realize that's his crew. Uh-huh. And he just taps the two chests that are clearly full to the brim with gold and rides off. And you, th- if, without that previous scene, you would think he's robbing them. He's robbing the Count of Monte Cristo, Cr- yeah. Because he knows more now. Right. The truth of the matter is, he... Has, no, that's payment. That's if it's payment at all. Like, he's right. happy to take it. But at the same time, there's trust. He could have taken the rest. He could have turned this whole deal. Yep. But he didn't. Mm-hmm. Because they have that bond. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. that's the difference. That's the thing about 
those types is that the start point is the most important point so that later when the player sees that sees them doing something that might be out of character they know the truth yeah they know where things are at because nothing has changed between them up to that point right right or maybe it has but either way yeah. But villains need to be known as villains. Yeah, and and you're de- and when you're definitely a villain, NPC shows compassion. That's going to be noteworthy because 100%. you've established a baseline that this person's a villain. And conversely, when you're definitely an ally, NPC is cold or mm-hmm. hostile. That's also going to be noticed. Of yep. like, oh, whoa, 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 what, what's up? Yeah, we should be friends. What ha- what changed? What changed? Yeah. What did I do? What did you do? But you know, if you don't have that baseline, or if you do that the thing where like you're you're you want to make your characters cold and edgy and cagey yep. and stuff like that, you're never going to establish that baseline. And so okay, like this person changed, so they change all the time. We don't know who this dude is. Yeah. You know exactly. And your players will note that and might not necessarily really <clears throat> attach to the story if it's mm-hmm. wishy washy in that sense. And that's fine. I mean, so, some of your characters are mercurial, but. But try not to make all of them. And if you want to make someone meaningful, give them a baseline yep. that, that players can attach to and then yep. shift and base all your vicissitudes on that baseline. Yep, exactly. Let's talk about that shift. All right. So, yeah, what causes relationships to evolve? There's a couple different ways. I mean, sure. there's some mechanical ways. Yeah, sure. I mean, lots of games have, uh, like, reaction charts mm-hmm. uh, where you can, you know, roll a persuasion check or whatever is equivalent in your game system to shift their their reaction to you up or down the chart, make them more favorable or less favorable to you mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, that, that, that can be a way. Yeah. Uh, I would say that's usually unsatisfying because it's just a role. It's not the character's actions or words that cause that shift in a relationship. But it's really good for quick encounters where mm-hmm. um, the NPCs, you, you know, you don't intend to put a lot of energy into. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're just persuading a random encounter bandit not to loose his crossbow on you at point blank range, to, right. you know, whoa, 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 hold on, let's talk this out. All right, roll persuasion, you know, mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's a good use for something like that. Yeah. And maybe that bandit goes on to be a larger character. Sure. But in the moment, we don't really need that that, that, that to evolve much beyond a persuasion role. Right, right. And unless the players attach to that moment and talk about that moment, you may not need to bring that NPC back around. But it doesn't hurt to make a note so that later on, if the players are like, yeah, we really we really double blind that, that guard back there and, and, and messed him up. Right. Okay. Great. You you tricked somebody. Wait a second. You're talking about it. Maybe I will have him come back around. Yeah. But maybe in a way that doesn't turn against the players. Maybe he'll come back around and they'll find him in a bar unemployed. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got fired because of their actions. Yeah. yeah. That's you know, little things like that. Um, the next way is I mean obviously through the PC's words. Mm-hmm. Um, things PCs say to the NPC. Yeah. All right. Um, now, this uh, this seems really obvious, mm-hmm. but there's some things to look out for here. Um, first, listen carefully to how your PCs treat the NPC. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean that both textually and subtextually. Yes. Okay. If the PC is generally polite to an NPC, and I say that in giant air quotes, if they're generally polite, but comes off as snarky or dismissive... You know, the NPC is still likely to give them a negative reaction. Mm-hmm. Well, I said all the nice words. Yeah, but you were a dick about it. Mm-hmm. You know, 
um, or a positive kind rea- reaction to to positive kind nurturing words. You know, yeah, I I will say this in regards to being careful about this is also that players are different than their characters. Mm-hmm. Their words may not necessarily match well, and they may actually be in a bad headspace. But they might look at you and say, you know, uh, I'm I'm going to try and comfort him. Like I'm gonna deal with his shit, whatever it may be, and and you know just just handle it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I I want to be genuine. Okay, you want to be genuine. I I can understand that you're not saying it, but I can get your drift of where you're going with this. I I find a lot of those discussions happen kind of in retrospect, and I think that's valuable not to um. Not to do the thing like the the chess thing where like oh you took your finger off the piece right you know exactly exactly oh you already said it you already said it you can't take it but don't don't do that like we've all done that thing where we're like okay I say this and the NPC goes well you know that's that's you know I I I'm reacting in a way that you didn't expect and you go whoa 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 hold on hold on not not what I meant what I I was trying to convey this to the NPC mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. allow your character or allow your player to better explain what their character is trying to express, don't make the misunderstanding stand as their character's action. Allow them the latitude to correct and be like, I'm trying to get a positive reaction out of this person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and if it's a dicey situation, maybe maybe a role is needed. Maybe you do need to roll some sort of a charisma or persuasion or mm-hmm. diplomacy check or whatever's you know, fit for your, for your, for your and, game. And likewise, if it's something that you're establishing that you do, even if the player is a sweet talker or not, mm-hmm. everyone gets the same chance because the dice really dictates how well it goes over. Exactly. Then leave that in as the case. Exactly. And I like that personally, especially when I have a mixed table of, of extroverts and introverts. Mm-hmm. You know, who may not know the right things to say. And even it might be the player next to them that says it right but it's not their character. You know, this way you can you can level that field a little bit and allow everybody to to have equal footing. Uh to be able to enjoy moments like that. But mm-hmm. either way, give it the grace. Yeah. Give yeah. it the grace. Uh and lastly, I think it's important to keep context in mind. Mm, yes. Um because the NPCs don't know anything except what the PCs say to them. Exactly. Basically. Okay. I mean, obviously, if they have some sort of external data source, but right, but they're they don't know everything the storyteller does. They don't know everything the player does. Yep. The NPC knows only what the NPC knows. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, context can play a lot into what their reactions are and how their relationships evolve because of it. So, i.e., if the players start bragging about how they liberated a valuable artifact from the noble's mansion, that just means they admitted to being burglars. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> and so that that in and of itself may garner a very negative reaction from, from an NPC, especially if they're a law-abiding citizen. However, they don't know that, like, the noble's evil... And that artifact is an important key to stopping his end of the world plot. Sure. And they literally just saved millions of people. They don't know any of that. Nope. Okay. <laughs> so that that warrants a negative reaction. Yes. And this can lead to some great moments mm-hmm. for uh, for shifting relationships as the context is kind of added to the existing group relationship. You know, an NPC may go from liking or to hating. 
or hating to liking once that context is added. You know? I think the other aspect of that is, especially if you're going to, if it's a mechanical thing, for instance, like the person, you know, I, I, I come back to gross point blank mm-hmm. as a wonderful scene where he's talking to the senator and he asks him what he does for a living. And he's like, uh, contract assassin. And he's just like, oh, growth industry. Oh, growth industry, yeah. Because he really doesn't, it doesn't drift into his mind what he just said Mm -hmm. because he he wasn't going to listen the first time let alone the second right right right. and and that right there kind of is a role right it's it's him determining like trying him trying to be very honest and very forthright with this guy because that's what he wants to be at this point right Mm -hmm. he wants to that pc wants to step away from that that kind of shady i'm not going to say what i'm doing because i'm not proud of it to no f it i'm out right i'm just going to say what i'm doing because why lie but at the same time, you know, that role of, okay, well, you know, is this is this going to come off well? And the answer is, it does, because the guy really wasn't listening, right? He just kind of accepted it as information and moved on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that works really, really well in, in rolling through conversations that are challenging. Sure. Versus having the person just suddenly have a change of heart and be like, oh... That's got to be difficult. No, he doesn't even notice. Yeah, yeah. He just moves right along. Yep. You said your piece, and later on he'll think about what you said, but in that moment... And then he'll have a reaction to it. But in that moment, nothing phased him mm-hmm. whatsoever. You were able to move right through it. And that's fantastic. Yeah. That, that works. Um, I think that the PC's actions themselves speak louder than words and it comes in two flavors i want to put one thing in here ahead of time a Uh little bit to kind of speak back to our previous point and that is is that your npcs should not be your dm headspace yeah Yeah. they should be what is happened in the story don't don't have the npc upset at them because they went into the town and did the thing but then they talk to someone else out of scene that had nothing to do with what the what the PCs were doing, and they ha- and because of that information, they're now a different person. No, mm-hmm. now you're doing a disservice to all the things that those PCs have connected with that person. Continue the story from the perspective of what has transpired. Yeah, yeah. The only people who should have external information are power players, your villains, your movers of the story. People right. with information networks, essentially. Right. Yeah. And anyone else should only be really reacting upon what's happened. Yeah. What's physically happened in game. And, and usually what's happened in front of them. Yeah. So the PC's actions are the most important things, whether it's something they do away from that NPC mm-hmm. or something they actively do with it. And because of that, you get this quest-based structure Right? Yeah, sure. That comes from your NPCs and with the PCs. Yeah, I mean most most tabletop RPGs have this sort of thing, and yeah. it's it's a it's a really great gameplay sort of mechanic to give the PCs the impetus to get into and then back out of trouble. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. your your shadow runners, your yeah. deep space explorers, your adventurers who are hired to do odd jobs or whatever. You know. Mm-hmm. Something that has someone go to them and say, I need you to do this thing, and then they go do the dangerous, stupid, inadvisable thing, usually for some sort of monetary reward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And all of those things that they actively do affects the world around them. It is 
in a strange way, its own story Yeah, that sits and rides with the plot. It's mm-hmm. what makes it interesting for them is because they are affecting things. Every video game that uh, pretty much RPG that's out there has a linear railroad. Whether it's forked in a couple places, it's still the thing that someone programmed and wrote. Sure. The interesting part is how you affect those in the story and their side stories, whether they show up for you at the end, Mm -hmm. whether they're dead earlier in the story, whether someone else notices that you spoke with that person or helped arrange something. Yeah. Those are all the little side stories that make the journey different every time. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what the players want. They want to know, this person got hired for a job, right? They decided to help anyways. Mm-hmm. Maybe they helped the farmers. Maybe maybe they overheard about these, uh, these goblins and decided to do something about it. Now, they've aided more than just one person. Right. More than the one person who was talking. And so they've gone, they've gone from mercenaries to the big damn heroes. Right. Who care about the village, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, this very very much like um, uh, uh, Crushmaw, the, uh, the, mm-hmm. the the troll that I had early on yep, in my yep. in my own game. Um, you had a villager or a village that came out and hired you to get this tr- to care of this troll that had moved into their town, basically. Yeah. Um, and what? How did that? How did that culminate? They created a village holiday. Yeah. For you guys, they call it Crushfall. Yeah. Um, and we had a whole party that celebrated that night, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. did little vignettes of mm-hmm. them kind of coming to you and thanking you and like, hey, uh, you know, I was able to get back into my tailor tailor shop, uh, my seamstress shop, um, you know, because because of you. And, you know, I found this, this, this bolt of, of fabric that I've been saving for a rainy day, and I think you should have it. Right. You know, because I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have this if it weren't for you. And you, right. you guys walked out of there with like three chickens, a bolt of cloth, yeah. like a bunch of potions, and some, some and, random and a, things, a nice meal in your belly, mm-hmm. and and great beds to sleep. At. Some and some some of them were villagers' beds. Uh, yeah, you know, but they night. were still. It was still the best that they could offer us. Right, and that and that was a direct relationship evolution of you know from those people of mm-hmm. you were hired for a job. Yeah. Likewise, you know? if your players come into a situation where there's, you know, uh, where it's tense, where it's where there's a lot going on, maybe they overstep a little bit and instead mm-hmm. of instead of being careful about things, they're throwing around fireballs or they're they're knocking stuff down to to take out an enemy and the fa- people come back to their village and it's nuked. Oh yeah. Like it's it's messed up. Oh yes, but if if you are playing one of those games where collateral damage is a thing that you're yeah. going to pay attention to, oh absolutely. Quickest way to uh turn saving the village into you're no longer welcome here. Please leave. Right. Yeah. Awful thanks for taking care of those bandits, but we'd rather you didn't. Yeah. And and I kind of want to insert Nox's question that came up in the chat here cuz I want to talk about this just a mm-hmm. little bit cuz I think it I think there's a place for it here, and that is, uh, how do you make relationships with characters whose personality doesn't really change and doesn't seem to have a character growth? I always think of Judge Dredd comics. He's always the same, just that world around him that differs. Uh, He's just a force in it. Is that the key? So I'm going to talk about NPCs that don't seem to change. One of the best things you can do is establish an NPC early on that has an attitude in a specific way. Maybe it's a villain. Maybe it's just a hard-nosed person. And then when they return to that person, they have not changed. Everything they've heard about them, everything that they know about them, they're the same. Mm -hmm. Because the players haven't interacted with them. There is no difference to change. But the moment the players interact with them, 
it should alter their course, either make them more angry and more staunch at what they're doing, or upset them that they are the change. But either way, think about those types of characters in other stories. The best thing you can do for an NPC with the players that once they have interaction with them is how does how do they get affected by it? And in most cases, either they will adjust and and see things differently, or or maybe even just interact with the PCs a different way, or they will get disgusted, disrespectful, or straight up angry and fearful, and respond in that direction, become worse at what they were, because any immovable object should only stay immovable and and static so long as the PCs don't have it. And that's the key with Dread. He doesn't change because he is the PC in this case. He doesn't have to. The world changes around him because of his actions. Yeah, fair enough. Um I don't disagree with any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh I've I've got two thoughts of my own. Uh, the first being that I think when you're talking about a comic book character rather than a role-playing character, mm-hmm. okay, I think that's that's the key difference between the two of them. Sure. Okay? You need consistency in the character for comics mm-hmm. to be able to continue to sell those comics. Sure. Okay? Any fan of Judge Dredd needs to be able to pick up any issue of Judge Dredd and see judge dread as they know him and expect him to be mm-hmm. he almost can't afford from a marketing standpoint to change right you don't have those same constraints in a tabletop role-playing game or even animated right you should be growing and changing that's kind of what the uh he says there there are table to dread tabletop rpgs then they are true, not going to true, be the comic but your pcs are going to evolve in those correct uh, hopefully they're going you know. to be different than Dread. Regardless right. of what you think, they are not Dread. Yeah. They are not going to be all stoic mountains of unchanging attitude. Now, there <laughs> is something to be said, though. We said something about establishing a baseline. Yes. Okay. And the reason you've established the baseline is so that you can establish what is the normal and what is outside of the normal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if you've established a character as friendly, and then suddenly next time you meet them, they are cold or aloof or angry, you know that's off their baseline. Mm -hmm. Something has changed there. Mm -hmm. There is something to be said about a character who exists as a baseline. Mm -hmm. Okay? And it is judging how they are reacting consistently to the changes around them that shows you not how they change, but how the environment has changed, mm-hmm. you know, um, your greedy noble who runs a town who has always been greedy and has always been stoic doesn't change when the town starts burning. Mm-hmm. He just becomes more opportunistic. Correct. That's all. He just he's taking advantage of a different crowd now. Yeah. 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 And that's that is the other side of that coin, without a doubt. Mm hmm. And it and exposes what's happening with that individual. Right, right. Now they, now they go from being just an opportunist to being kind of a jerk opportunist to practically evil. Yeah, yeah. And selfish you, you, and evil. You can you can see the change in the in the in the, the the town around them by saying, Okay, well you used to rob the rich through deception and uh and politics and now you're just stealing. You're just looting. Yeah. You know, you have descended into... Com- you're, you haven't changed. 
one bit, but the situation in the town has deteriorated such that you're, even you, who used to be a respectable villain, are now just a common thief. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You know. Uh, so but, there's something to be said for that, yeah. But I think, you know, I, I kind of want to leave that there because we're stepping ever so closely into our other point here, which is that... What do you do with all this? Well, like, I'm, I like your use of the word proportional response. Yes. I think that's super important. You've said it in the past, and I think it's... Oh, sweet goddess, please, for the love of all that is good and pure, please keep <laughs> your responses proportional. What we're talking... Nothing kills my soul. Oh, hold on. I'm going to pull this salt right. box right here, I'll be sir. back over here. Nothing kills my soul more than reading on Reddit your RPG horror stories or your Ask the Dungeon Masters posts about, well... Somebody punched another bar patron and started a bar brawl, so the guards came in and started killing the PCs, and then the PCs killed the guards back, and they killed like 20 of them because they're overpowered god, you know, godlike, you know, magic item, you know, batteries, uh, and now I don't know what to do with the, with the game. Okay. Buddy... I don't know what to do with your game either, because all that should have been solved the point at which the guards brought lethal force to bear because someone punched someone else in a bar brawl. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The number of times I have heard, someone was rude to a noble, so I imprisoned them and sentenced them to death. Now I don't know what to do about it. My guy. My dude. Firstly... <sighs> This would never happen no. for a lot of reasons. Think about it logically. First off, the noble would not actually do that Do that because it shows that the noble is easily goaded. Mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. If you can provoke them to a death sentence by one slight, you are nothing more than puppy chow to the other nobles. Mm -hmm. I guarantee it. Yeah. If you can provoke a reaction with one word from someone they barely know, yeah. You're, that noble's getting eaten alive. Second off, most legal systems that are not exceptionally corrupt or ones that the noble in question is at the at the head of, i.e. You, you, you insulted the chief of police or someone like that, sure. you know, the district attorney, will laugh that, that infraction away. You had him arrested because he implied you were smelly? Buddy, stop wasting my time. I've got real criminals to work on. Right. You know? Right. Third off, it's not proportional no. if a person is rude do you be rude or to an npc be rude back to them slight them in some other way inconvenience them be dismissive of them but don't call the guards and sentence them to death no that's not how things are done it's a waste of resources yes keep things proportional a uh, and... slight deserves a slight i'm sorry and interference deserves a warning. Direct and deliberate interference, i.e. you're getting all up in the mob boss's crap and you busted up one of his drug deals or something like that, deserves having the PCs having their noses, noses bloodied and or their legs broken. Maybe mm -hmm. both. Stay out of my business. This is your last warning. Things will get serious from here. Mm -hmm. Don't jump to 11 the moment things turn. I'm sorry. I am done. I'm stepping off my soapbox. I think it was good. Yeah. I, I appreciate all the statements that you made. I'm going to get a good grade in podcast, <laughs> <laughs> which is something that's normal to want and possible to achieve. But 
I think the same goes for any villainy. Villains can also be very respectful and proportionally respectful. They're not going to immediately turn over a leaf because the players were just nice to them, right? But I think that you can you can say the same for any proportional response in regards to anything positive as well, right? Um, and in some cases, you might get a solid response from a villain who sees you do something wrong proportionally of like, well, we're going to try and make him interested in us. We're going to try and look like villains to join him. So we're going to do something heinous that he would have done. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. A godfather will look sometimes at that and be like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing in my town? Mm -hmm. Like this, we don't do this. Like, yeah, we, we've broken some legs before in the past when things get serious, but you wouldn't killed somebody during a heist. What the hell are you thinking? That guy had kids. Right. Right. What's he going to do tomorrow? This like, is a gentleman's business, sir. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. We rob banks because they're insured. Exactly. Not because we want to take mom and pop's money. We deal in money, not corpses around here. Yeah. Yeah. Because dead people can't pay you. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. And that's, like, that's basic understanding of villainy and finances. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't kill off <laughs> drug dealers. Don't kill off the people who are buying their drugs. If they can't pay, they'll figure another way to handle that situation mm -hmm. because they're paying customers. Like the only people who don't give a crap whether or not you're living or dying are weapons dealers. They know how that works. The person buying is going to be alive tomorrow. Yeah. On both sides. I mean, there's something to be said about the whole sending a message thing. Yeah. You know, if you if you don't respond, that shows that you can be stolen from. Right. You can be pushed over. So you've got to do something about it. But that's more about that's more about creating a threat than it is about creating a body. Mm -hmm. You know. Now, that being said, when we're talking about proportionalists, we're also talking about reciprocity. Right. When when the PCs act in a certain way, they should be responded to in an equal way. You were saying if I'm disrespectful to someone, vice versa. Correct. When, when they're at, when they're acted upon, yes. they should act back that sort of yeah. way. Yes. So when it's when a, when a when a disrespectful or rude comment comes out, that's an equal reciprocity that should return. Yeah. But likewise, like yeah, swooning and immediately becoming enamored with somebody is not a balanced situation mm -hmm. that's that's not reciprocal that's you didn't there was not enough investment there to make that happen that's a new it's a trauma response <laughs> it, it very much could be a trauma response but the idea is is like like i love the concept that if the let the, the heroes go in to to retrieve someone that was captured right mm -hmm. and instead of killing all of the villains guys all the way down to the the last jailer to save one person they just sneak in, maybe knock out two people and sneak out, mm -hmm. you know, may maybe even so going so far as to only lock up some of those people into a cell, like not even really injure them, just trick them. Heck, maybe they ransom them. Maybe yeah. they deal for them. Right. In some way, the villain might look about that as quite respectful. Yeah. Like this is just a business. Yeah. Clear I mean, you've imprisoned my ally. Instead of killing them, clearly you value their life in some small way. Yeah. You want something for them. You have something I want. I have something you want. We can come to an arrangement, I'm sure. Yeah. Likewise, if you don't use lethal force on an enemy, 
they may not do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They may be like, you know, and likewise, I love the concept, and you brought this up a long time ago. We talked about this, where if a villain had one of his henchmen do something that was out of line, that got pushed too far, mm-hmm. that even he like invites the NPCs to dinners. Like, now I want to apologize. I understand that this is an awkward situation, but I need to say that I've handled the situation, and points out the window to Tom, his henchman, hanging outside. You know over a pit or yeah. over the cliff edge with a gag. And he's just like, now Tom has been silenced. Sharks we already know, laser beams you know, we already head. know what he's done, but I wanted to let you know, I've handled that situation and I apologize. Mm-hmm. Money has already been sent to the village and I will make sure that the young lady who lost her father is taken care of. I am sorry. That was not our way. He, I, I may be a monster in some ways, but that was callous. Yeah. You know, and you're, yeah. you you can be taken back, but at the same time, like, that is setting a level. And that really shows value in your game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where this sticks into is, is that what you express through your NPCs in their, the way that they have relationships with PCs expresses the values that are important in in the darkest of settings yeah having a little bit of honor or respect be really recognized shows that that has value that is way beyond monetary value within the story yeah i i've i've been i've been playing through uh, cyberpunk 2077 lately uh and uh there's a there's like a great part of the main storyline um i I'll, I'll try to avoid spoilers in case anybody hasn't hasn't played it but uh I mean, the, the setting is Night City, mm-hmm. and it's this just awful, cynical place full of corruption and corporate control and gang violence on every street corner. And it just, just, and in and the storyline in in the main story, as specifically at this point that I'm obliquely making reference to, is dark. Mm-hmm. It is dark, uh, having to do with uh, some human trafficking, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you go in and you rescue this victim um, and uh, basically show compassion for them, even though they were nothing more than a business contact. Mm -hmm. And there's another NPC that you're kind of helping out with this um, uh, because she's very attached to this person Mm -hmm. and is kind of begging you to just do something. And you do. And she doesn't have any money to pay you. This isn't a job. She's not hiring you as an edge runner or anything like Mm -hmm. that. She's just, she's just concerned for her friend and you take it upon yourself to help out. Yeah. And in that, there's these really great, sweet moments between you and this other NPC where she's like, you didn't have to do any of this. You're, what, why Why are you doing this? I don't understand. And you're like, it just wasn't right. Oh, okay. Thanks. You know, and she's just, it's, it's this real stark contrast because... You're the one person showing compassion mm-hmm. in this awful place, in this awful situation with these awful people. Mm-hmm. And you just did something out of the goodness of your own heart. And I think in any other setting, that would be like, oh, hey, you rescued the damsel in distress, mm-hmm. you know, of, because of course you did. You're the big damn hero. But in this setting, because it's so dark, even that little flicker of light that you show, even if you do it for cynical reasons still shines really, really brightly because you've established that baseline mm-hmm. is so dark. There's a, a scene in Wheel of Time that I caught um, 
where and and I'm I don't know all the factions and everything, but I I remember that uh, that some of the characters as they split up have their own little stories. Uh, the blacksmith's uh, husband uh, from the very beginning, uh, Bren? No, I'm trying to remember. I'm sorry, which which, which story? blacksmith's uh, Wheel of Time? In Wheel of Time, yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name. The, the blacksmith's husband. Well, the blacksmith dies right at the opening, and it's his it's her husband that moves on. Oh, Perrin. Perrin, thank you. I think yeah. it's Brennan, meant, but I'm, anyways. Because in the books, that wife doesn't exist. Well, there you go. That, that's why I was like, wait, who are you This is the about? only reference I know. Yeah. Um, he saves, effectively, an assassin from a desert community where water is honored. Uh, yeah. And in that scene, Obvious. after getting her out and them literally about to be murdered by a troop, the guy who's basically left alive at the end, she's about to kill him, and he says, stop. Mm-hmm. He stops her dead. They, the, all of these people were ready to murder them both. Mm-hmm. But he checks one thing and says, he gave you water. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a check mark you need to t- to accept. Mm-hmm. And, and she does, without a question. And they move on. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. And he, the, the guy on the ground, looks and says, who are you? And that question lingers in the air, not asking him physically who he is or what kind of a person he is, but who are you in this world to even think that that's okay? Right. What the, What do you know of the Aiel Desert people? But not yeah, even so like, much that, but like, we are at war here, mm-hmm. and you just changed the field. Stop making me feel things, buddy. Right. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's an emotional cost we can't have in this day and age. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of feeling that comes out of that question. But when those questions get asked, that's evolution. That's right. character evolution of your NPCs yeah. happening right there. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So, time to get in the big R. The big R. We're gonna talk about it, guys. We 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 promised we were talking about romance. It's exciting and new. All right, <laughs> come aboard with us. We're expecting. All right, so here's the thing. We talked a lot about like friendships and especially like hero villain relationships and stuff like that, and positive negative reactions out of just rando NPCs. Now we're just and... getting on the ship. All right, romance. Yeah. How do you do it? Can you do it? Yeah. Yes. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. You can do romance at your table. Yes. Um, I think uh, romance gets a bad it's a, it gets kind of a bad rap because um some people can get really weird about it. Well, I mean, let's start where the inception really hit. Seventeen year olds at a table talking about romance are not talking about the same level of romance that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, I, I think that's where the bad rap begins. <laughs> and, and I think all too often we also have the whole like I roll I roll persuasion to seduce the barmaid because I want to do them. Yeah, I want to do them. Yeah, that that whole thing. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think a lot of people have that as their model for what romance in a TTRPG means, and that's exactly. not what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I, romance evolves like any other relationship. Yeah. You know, you establish a baseline for the relationship. Sure. You take the NPCs or so take the PCs words and actions into account for how it will change that relationship. Yep. And then you have the NPC take proactive actions that will respond to the relationship as it's been established. Yep. No different. Yep. And, and that reaction basically in this, in this is, Hey, um, do you want to get dinner sometime? We you've done a, we've done a couple jobs together, and then we talked about it. And there was that one night where you told me what a rough time you were having mm-hmm. with you know uh, Arasaka security breathing down your neck and stuff like that. And just 
I feel like we really bonded that night. Did you want to grab a drink? Mm-hmm. That's the start of a romance right yeah. there. I, I also think of, like, Victor Victoria, where you've got a character who is interested in somebody but can't get too close to them, mm-hmm. but is just enamored. Yeah. And that building of of that starts in one direction and suddenly takes turns in all kinds of ways because now beyond simple admiration, you get respect and trust Mm -hmm. and understanding. And all of that is building on top of something that cannot be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and secrets, you know, that sit on top of that. Man, Victor Victoria, you just pull out all the old movies, man. Hey, I, 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 for those of you youngins or or illiterates who are under the idea is is that uh, in, in a grand scale without ruining anything is a woman disguises herself as a man to get close to another gentleman mm-hmm. uh, and and live in the man's world and doesn't expose that that she is a he you know, he is a she until m- much longer into the story when basically they are comrades. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. It was the the original pilot for Mulan, um, pretty much. Uh, all right, so keep in mind too, because because I, I know this is going to be a touchy subject for everybody. Yes, sex is not a necessary step in a romance. Contact, intimacy, in that physical intimacy is not necessary. Right, intimacy yes. is just the act of getting close to one another. It sharing. is just it is just sharing things that are private sharing things that are that are that are close to your soul yeah okay they're held in secret inside exactly okay so you there's plenty of ways to be intimate without role-playing a sex scene at the table Mm -hmm. um you know think of your favorite movies Mm -hmm. okay for for a great model for this there are plenty of family-friendly movies okay that we see romantic relationships in (laughs) little mermaid yeah one of my one of my favorite movies disney sanitized Mm -hmm. rated g Little Mermaid, Ariel leaves the Sea Kingdom behind for her romantic and anthropological, she was a scientist. She was. Uh, her uh, pursuits, right? And we never concern ourselves with her and Prince Eric boinking. The closest we get is a kiss. Yeah, there's there's that there's that steamy little kiss the girl, you know, sort of, sort of, sort of scene where there's a whole will she, won't she sort of G-rated sexual tension. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, no, we can have a romance story that is perfectly suitable for all audiences that, you know, is you, – you don't need to take it to those steps, mm-hmm. right? You don't need to shy away from romance in your stories because you believe those steps are necessary. I guarantee they're not. Okay. I, I go back to uh, um, P.S. I Love You, mm-hmm. fa- fantastic movie on the main plot. The subplot is – is her relationship with Harry Connick Jr. And it ends with the, their, their relationship really doesn't end, but it culminates to a point where they eventually agree to kiss and discover that it's the weirdest thing for both of them <laughs> and they should go back to being friends. And it's beautiful. The romance of the two of them is beautiful. Yeah, both sure. in the, the pausing and figuring it out and accepting and then finally coming to terms with the fact that they're like brother and sister. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the fun part of the relationship. Yeah. Right? That's what you want to keep. And look, if sex does come up, mm-hmm. and it might, 
Mm-hmm. We're we're role playing human relationships out yep, there. Yep, so yep. The people have sex all the time. All right. Yes. Y'all can always fade to black. Yeah. Nobody has to role play out their sexual fetishes at the table. Please don't. Please, Please. do not role play your fetishes gonna, at the I'm table. I'm just gonna take a second here. We're gonna RPG have RPG horror stories. We're just gonna take a pause so that everyone who has ever played Vampire the Masquerade in a weird situation can accept their trauma that they've experienced. Okay, now we're going to move on. A, a moment of silence for all those storytellers who said, well, it's vampire. It's inherently rapey. No, no, no. no stop. No. Stop. Okay, thank you for sharing that trauma with me. Yeah. That being said, there are tools. There are X cards. <laughs> there are veils. There are lines. There's a check on the table that somebody can put their hand on and go, are we okay with right. where we're at with this right now? And role-playing romance is probably one of the biggest places you're going to uh, have need of those of those safety tools. Consent. Okay. And not that you shouldn't always maintain consent at your table for other stuff, but romance is probably the biggest one that walks that line. Well, and not only that, it's not just the consent of the person that that are involved in this. Mm -hmm. There are other people at that table. Yeah. Okay? Communication is necessary, not just for the scene that's happening, but for everyone who's involved and whether or not they are comfortable with it. You did a great job of, of checking with the player at our game, of whether or not they were going to be okay with an NPC who has gotten close to their PC yeah, the, tr- this, stepping into the next phase. This was my fishing NPC, because yeah. uh, this was this is the player that, that likes to adopt and have these sort of romantic relationships and whatnot. But even still, even knowing that this is that type of character who does often look for so, that, that type of roleplay at the table... Um, when that relationship did hit that stride where they where things were becoming romantic mm-hmm. uh and moving from comradeship to 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 romantic relationship yep um i discussed it out of character with them a couple of times actually mm-hmm. and was like hey are you are you cool with it evolving in this direction mm-hmm. are you cool with it if they if he tries to kiss your character are you okay with me you know it, with, with that scene happening mm-hmm. okay and I'm telling you, my line is, if it evolves into anything else, I'm going to fade to black it. Is that okay with you? Right, right. You know? Um, and I would say, not only did that did that make the scenes come across very well, mm-hmm. but also that player was very thankful for me uh, and thanked me directly for making sure that their feelings were uh, taken into account. And that even though we've known each other for God, like three decades or something mm-hmm. like that at this point. God, it has been three decades. It has been three decades. Uh, even though we've known each other that long, mm-hmm. that I still make sure every step of the way that this is not over a line. And as you progress the story up to that point, you asked the rest of the table before the scene started because they knew what was going to happen. You had painted that out for them, but not for the table. You said... We're about to do this scene in a garden. Is everybody okay with a, with a little bit of a uh, an intimate moment? Mm-hmm. And we all said yes, and just mm-hmm. said we'll let you know otherwise. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Yep. And then then at the end of that, it was and we're gonna fade. Yep. And yep. It was perfect. But you addressed it with the table. You put that hand out on the the check effectively and said, "Are we good? Yeah. Can we continue?" And you get you gave us all a good solid check in to make sure that everybody was solid that it wasn't just a quick hand wave of 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 a few players and you were like okay you know screw the rest no you you gave it a good solid 
check. Yeah, which was wonderful to see. I think it was, it, and it was pretty PG. Um, ultimately, I mean, it, when it comes down to it, for anybody who's curious how it panned out, there was like some words of affection, a a a, a uh, tentative little kiss mm-hmm. that, when it was reciprocated, became more emphatic, mm-hmm. and then basically he kind of went, "Let's let's retire to my quarters." Yeah, and that was fade it. Fade to black. Boom. Yep. Yep. That's romance, guys. Yep. That's it. And it was wonderful. Yeah. And it was wonderful. So comfort of everyone at the table is more important than the storyline. Mm-hmm. So if you've already established things with another player, make sure that the table is comfortable with it as well. Yeah. Agreed. Otherwise, agreed. you can just have it be background between you and that player and implied. Yep. No worries there. All right. Well, Listen. I think we... I beat this dead horse pretty pretty good. I think so. I think so. You want to roll into some questions? Yeah, let's let's finish this off. Alrighty. Nevim, our rock, our steady, says, uh, how do you maintain lifelike relationships between PCs and NPCs during different game sessions? Consistency yeah. is important. And uh just like any good uh TV show rechecking and and having your npc be kind of a checkpoint for that player meaning when they see them for the first time they immediately see the reaction that they're expecting right unless there's something that is that they know is changing that they're going there to see a change Mm -hmm. the expectation should be that they are in the same state that they left them in so that they can then turn the scene. Yeah, sure, okay. That's that's my thing. It's like the, there's no reason why the innkeep should suddenly be angry at them at the next morning a month later because he knows something they don't. Mm-hmm. Okay? He can be upset about something else, but as far as those players are concerned, unless like they left his bar in shambles <laughs> the night before and he wake they wake up in the morning and go downstairs with a sheep as look to look at him, now they're you know, if the player says, Hey, I'm I'm gonna go down with some gold really early in the morning and see if I can check in with the innkeep. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've painted how this scene's gonna open. I'm gonna have the innkeep be a little tired and a little grumpy at you. Mm-hmm. But he's still happy you're here in pain. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you, you know, there's no reason why he's unhappy with you. Things happen, you're taking care of it. You know, it's at the same regard, like, if your chief hates you because you blow up the town half the time, but always save the right people, like, he is always going to have that attitude when you walk into his office to ask for something else. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I need the expense account. You need the what? <laughs> Do you know how much our insurance costs every month because of you? <laughs> You're a powder cake balance on a knife's edge. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, like, that's not going to change. He's not going to suddenly be like, well, you did save the mayor last week. No, no, he is still going to be angry at you about everything. Welcome to the forest. Here's your badge and your gun. Your first assignment, you're suspended. Turn in your badge and your gun. <laughs> but I, that's that's what I got to say for that one. Uh, I, I think for for me, I'm, uh, I'm going to give a little more... Um, uh, I, I guess uh, material, practical, sure, tangible sure. Uh, sort of sort of answer on this one, and that is, um, take notes whenever a PC interacts at length with an NPC. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't. You don't have to have a st- a, 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 a elaborate notes on this or anything mm-hmm. like that. Okay, but 
take notes when a PC interacts with an NPC on more than just a superficial level, Mm -hmm. okay? If they show interest, if they ask follow-up questions, if they go out of their way to seek that NPC out. They buy them a gift. They buy them a gift, something like that. Exactly. Something that indicates to you that that PC, that that player is interested in that NPC, not maybe not romantically, mm-hmm. but is just just shows interest in their part of the story. Mm-hmm. I want to know more. I want this NPC to be part of the story more, right? So, take notes of what those interactions were like. Did mm-hmm. the PC act upon them in any sort of way that would evoke an emotional response from them? Mm-hmm. Okay, make that emotional response deliberate. And pronounced next time they meet that NPC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bought them flowers and the lady was very flattered by it. And maybe now she's catching a little feelings. Maybe she's a little flirty with him next time. Or yeah. maybe she isn't. Yeah. Maybe she was disgusted by the offer. It's all entirely up to what who the NPC is and where Correct. they sit in the story and stuff like that. You, you want that response to be proportional and make sense. But mm-hmm. take note of it. Because when a player character goes out of their way to interact with an NPC, they're indirectly telling you, I am interested in this NPC and want them to be part of the story. Yeah. Okay. I want this to be a more major character than they already are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and that's that's basically no, it. I love just it. just yep. take the take those notes and make sure you pronounce that uh, that, that that reaction. Yeah. So Kaliki is our next one. Um, some RPGs mechanically incentivizing uh, establishing relationships between players and characters. Example: uh, the after session questionnaire for Alien RPG rewards XP when characters risk something for their buddy or challenge their rival PC. We talked about a few other ones that we had, uh, and, uh, and 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 drama is always a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what other games are out there that incentivize players into establishing or acting out relationships? Honestly, there's a num- number of them. Seventh C does it uh, in the case of drama, and drama eventually turns into XP. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Lots uh, of Powered by the Apocalypse systems ask you to establish direct relationships during character creation mm-hmm. by going around the table, one to your left, one to your right, to mm-hmm. have some sort of a bond with them, whether it's mistrust or whether mm-hmm. it's friendship or mentorship or yep. they owe you or yeah. something. It's, it's pretty common. I think uh, Vampire had... Uh, a, a, a slight system involved in it as well as far as building up some ranks and things. Um, to a degree, uh, uh, Burning Wheel does it as well uh, mm-hmm. with circles. Yeah. Because, again, it's it's part of that, like, gaining uh, almost reputation with individuals and uh, w- with areas. You want to know the best one that always just rings out in my mind for relationship systems is Arc Doom. Yeah. No, that was fantastic. Arc Doom had this really cool system where basically you have kind of like a grid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's re- real. It, it, I mean, it's a grid. It makes it sound so much more complicated. But go back and listen to our system spotlight on that. I don't remember what, when that was. Um, but it's uh, basically you get bonuses for um, acting in players uh, another player's best interest if you are bonded to them, basically. Um, and the the grid kind of shows how deep that bond is. Um, and you can uh, uh, essentially burn part mm-hmm. of your bond with them mm-hmm. to intervene in their, on their behalf. On, on it's uh, October 12th, 2022, episode 180. There you are. Thank you. So there was that system spotlight. Yeah, so. really great system. 
Yeah, I, 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 it, once you said it, it was like, crap, that's right, that was one. Mm-hmm. So, the second one is, what are some of your favorite subsystems like this? Like hey, Arc out? Doom, that's my answer, and I'm sticking yeah. to it. Um, I like the way 7C did it with uh, Drama Dice, where it was basically, uh, players could spend drama to bring their, their drama into the game. Uh, and therefore get more XP for it. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, which is great. Or the storyteller could drop a drama die to bring in drama into the story and therefore bring XP into the game as well. Yeah, I, I gotta say, that was always it was always a weird feeling mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game where you're like, okay, does anybody have any drama dice to spend? And having me hand you one of my one of my two drama dice, mm-hmm. I don't, you don't get a lot. Mm-mm. And me handing you one of them and going, I'd really like it if you threw my rival into this one to screw okay. my to screw my, my my character over, please. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Let's have some drama in the story. Yeah. And <laughs> and I just braced for impact for the first forty five minutes till they show up. Yeah. And <laughs> it's those kinds of moments that that bring a check into the story mm-hmm. and and make the make the story interesting, but also lets the player have that draw. Yeah. You yeah. know that brings what they chose, what they put on their sheet, what makes them feel like they tick in a specific way. Yep. So I think that's pretty good. It felt a little bit uh, like uh, handing a riding crop, you know, to <laughs> someone and being like, please hurt me, mistress. Yeah. Which brings us to next week's topic. We've, uh, we've danced had... around this one quite a bit. Actually, we've had this discussion specifically multiple times in the last five years. Uh-huh. We have talked about how Role-playing games, whether in the way that they are presented and oftentimes the way they are poorly depicted mm-hmm. uh, and poorly ran, honestly, um, really mimics another culture and genre, and that is BDSM. Yep. We we have removed whole sections of discussion that we have had <laughs> that never made it to air, and then we said... We're done with the show soon. We might as well burn this bridge hard with right. whatever is going to go after us. We're not alienating anybody uh, uh, any, anymore. We're not going to be losing, you know, losing listeners because we're not going to have any listeners in a couple months. So might as well have this discussion. So we're going to talk about what BDSM teaches <laughs> us about TTRPGs. Nox says, did you foreplay us all month? Yeah. Yeah, I think we did. I think we might have five we played. Did. <laughs> <laughs> so at least five played. So uh so next next episode is going to be spicy. Spicy. Spicy and possibly enlightening in some ways that you're not going to expect. Yeah. Yeah. Um but understand that uh both of us uh both Sarah and I have a lot of respect mm-hmm. for both TTRPGs and BDSM and we will be giving it uh a a thorough rundown, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, look forward to hearing you all next week's uh, questions. I'm kind of intrigued to see what comes up out of this. So, And you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave, on uh, Listen to Us Live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, join us on our Discord. We'd love to hear from you. Join all the other great uh, storytellers that are that are on there. Talk about your campaign. Uh, uh, shoot us some questions. We'd love to have some more mm-hmm. questions here. Definitely. You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com, and I will die before I call it X. Thank 
Thank you. Our, uh, we'd like to thank our Patreon members who support us every month, and I hope will continue to support us after our next show, uh, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subject, The Arcane Asylum, Veteran, Hulu Sean, Sam, and Sparkle Motion. We appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcaneanthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find them at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on YouTube Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is only our footprints in the sand by Midair Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much Thank for you. loving and Thank supporting you. us. To my fiance, Sean. Uh, all of our friends who sat at our tables over the years give these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so much. We love you. Good, Good night. night.